live from the mysterious mist enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Hello again and welcome to yet another episode of The Big Show. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And together we're going to do a show for you today. It's going to be an exciting episode that's called 2020 Hindsight. Maybe a little 2020 Foresight also, right? (laughs) I was going to say that too. What's happened over the last decade? Especially as it pertains to dating and relationships, men and women socializing and interacting together, attracting each other or otherwise. Online or offline. Online or offline. And, you know, it's starting to seem like a long time we've known each other. Well, I think it has been a long time. 13 years is actually almost 14 years. Almost 14 in February. And we met online. Yes. And it was not something that seemed like a new thing even when we met each other. But since then, it has evolved by leaps and bounds. In the last 10 years, of course, we saw the rise of apps. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know that- Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And now, like I say all the time on the Mountaintop podcast- we're pretty much at the apocalypse, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I remember when we were dating online before I met you, uh, friends had recommended that I should get online. I'm like, I don't think so. That's, you know, it wasn't as accepted then as it is today. Oh, yeah. Everybody's met online now. Marriages. I mean, it's like if you're not online, you must be some kind of Luddite or something. Yeah, I know. It's the opposite, isn't it? It's gone from one... One end of the spectrum to the other. And it's really a really nice tool. And it's one of those things that I thought was going to really change or revolutionize the world. And it really in some ways has and other ways hasn't. How has it not? Well, we've gone from having our traditional online websites that match people up to these apps. And in some ways, the apps have kind of made us step backwards in time to a way that dating is more complicated. Do you think that's stepping backwards? Well, when you complicate dating and you make it hard to meet up because people are ghosting each other and just being flakes, then yes, that makes it very much complicated because it's like, can I find a real person out there? So it's not so much going backwards in time to the way things used to be. It's just we're regressing to something less efficient. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, I would agree a thousand percent with that. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with something else we saw the rise of in the last 10 years, which is social media in general. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, they were in their nascent stages back in the late aughts, but really have come into their own over the last decade. And people really are forgetting how to socialize anymore. I mean, they like someone else's posts, they retweet somebody on Twitter and they go, all right, well, cool. I've interacted with this person. I've paid my social dues with this person and I can just uh, continue with my normal life by myself without any real socialization with anybody. It's kind of replaced the interaction, hasn't it? You know, I thought that with all this technology and so many different ways to find each other, that everybody would be able to find their soulmates. One would think, right? Having all of this information, being able to find so many new people, having so many fellow single people at your fingertips, well, figuratively at least. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, right? The smartphone's what's literally at your fingertips, not a real human being. I know. Shoot, you can even open up an app and go, oh, who's around me that I can actually say hello to? Who's single? Right, exactly. 
And yet, it seems like people want the dopamine rush of collecting likes and getting approval from these phantom people who may or may not exist. I mean, there's fake profiles out there too, right? Versus actually meeting someone and having a real connection. And one of the things we've talked about on the Mountaintop podcast, Emily, is how people really just don't know how to connect anymore. And that's become a big problem in this decade, I've noticed. The more people that we talk to and work with, we've noticed that it's becoming more and more of an epidemic. People are having a harder and harder time connecting with one another. They've lost that skill or maybe in some cases never really developed that skill. And so it just it's interesting how life has evolved and changed in some ways, not for the better. Yeah, exactly. How many times have we been at a restaurant? And we see a couple next to us who may or may not even be on their first date, and they get their noses buried in their smartphones when they're sitting in front of each other. I know, right? Or the conversations are quite interesting, too, because they don't know how to have a conversation to make it successful. Right, exactly. So over the last 10 years, certainly as coaches doing what we do here at XMY Communications, we've seen more and more people who are just isolated. They're not going on any dates at all. And the frustration is at an all-time high because you've got situations where women and men are liking each other. They're messaging each other. But then you have all these new terms, relatively speaking, within the last 10 years, like ghosting and breadcrumbing and fishing, <laughs> fishing catfishing each other, right? And, you know, the latest one I heard over the holiday season was snowmanning or snow globing which is where people get, you know, a temporary relationship that they pretend is going to be like your forever BFF soulmate. And then as soon as January 1st hits, yeah, well, that was nice, but now I don't need to pray to you in front of my family anymore. Time to just get back to going solo and collecting likes on Tinder. Weird. It sounds like a very lonely life, especially if you want somebody in your life that is your soulmate, that's your companion, that's your best friend for life who will get you and understand you. Well, loneliness is rampant, and there are people in relationships who are lonely. There are people in relationships who, now that they've found someone, still don't know how to relate, still don't know how to connect. I mean, how many times have we ever heard from someone, hey, you know, my significant other said this to me last night. What did they mean by that? Oh, yeah. We need more <laughs> fingers to count on that one. Anyway, that's true. And in those who are miserable because they connected with some really poisonous people. Right. And people are better than ever at camouflaging who they really are behind something fake or something superficial. It's the I'm fine, how are you culture. Right. The manipulation techniques have gotten really good out there. Yeah, I know, right? And it seems like manipulation is almost a priority. And I think a lot of that has to do with the kinds of dating advice we've seen in the mainstream over the past 10 years. In other words, okay, here's how to get what you want. Here's how to get someone of the other gender or same gender no, it's not gender specific. Not at all. Here's how I get them to give me what I want. Right. And that's the name of the game when it comes to relationships. And it's not what works at all. It's just what sells. It's all about what I want. And unfortunately, in a relationship, it's not about I or me. It is a we. And people have forgotten that there's another party in this relationship. Well, one of the things that I see a lot is utter disbelief that you and I could possibly be happy together. <laughs> you remember in the very beginning, people used to say, hey, just wait another few more years and y'all will be apart and you'll get you'll get yours. See? Ha ha ha. Right. Yeah. I mean, lots <laughs> of schadenfreude. I mean, it was amazing, but that's kind of died down. Nowadays, your MGTOW guys, the people who are really cynical, it's almost like they need for us to fail. And when we don't... 
it's like we're outliers. I hear we're lucky a lot. But we're not lucky. Lucky is, you know, a term that's used for a ha- happenstance. Lucky, I know, it's an accident. Right. And this is not an accident. We have actually designed this so that we can meet each other. Well, I think the intelligence of the design was we deserved what we wanted. We realized that we had to be decent people in order to attract someone who was in turn going to be attracted to us. And we educated ourselves. Yes. Which is something a lot of people don't do. I mean, education right now is a huge push. Everybody needs to go to college. Everyone has to go to college. You have to get in debt. But no one stops to think about, I need to learn how to be a great person and find a wonderful person that completes me. Yeah, and you just talked about everybody's in a race to get into debt. You don't even have to amass student loans to pay off for the next two dozen years to get better with the other gender and to learn how to have a relationship. No, it just takes wanting to change or wanting to get out there and learn and do what it takes to find the significant other, be able to connect with them and understand them and love them and have them do the same in return. Well, I would argue that those factors are all contingent on two areas of life that we have lost touch with over the past decade in particular. The first one is getting an example from the family unit itself. I mean, dads aren't there in the lives of their children to model how a man should be treating a woman in a relationship. I read an article on Medium a couple weeks ago where the woman was saying, if you've ever been on a date with a man who treated you right, you know, on the off chance that were possible, right? You can thank all the women who trained him on dates previous to yours to get him right. And I was like, "Uh, excuse me, but, you know, if the guy had a decent example growing up from his own dad of how women should be treated and how men should be in relationships, maybe that could be why the guy's treating you well on dates. And the author was like, no, that can't be it. That never happens. <laughs> that's because like, she's had too many bad men in her life. Well, I would think so, of course. I mean, that's kind of transparent. But I mean, how bass backwards is that? What's obvious, what makes sense doesn't make any sense anymore. And the other reason that I think people are really clueless in relationships is I think there's been a lot of confusion in terms of how men and women are able to relate and how they should relate. Well, that's a big one. How should they relate? Because that's getting more and more confusing because with politics and media and everything else and a lot of people blowing a lot of smoke about different things and their opinions, the reality is nothing changes in our own personal life. And we got to remember that. How we interact with the opposite sex matters more than what the imaginary web or internet, Twitter, whatever is saying. I think you're going to have to elaborate on all of that. (laughs) That sounded really fluffy to me. Well, there's a lot of information out there that's saying that men are bad, they're toxic, and we should just drop them and forget about them. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's just as toxic about women. And there's a lot of information out there that could really easily cause you to hate the opposite sex. Well, as we've talked about, people who are angry take center stage on Twitter and on Facebook, and they grab the mic and they spew their anger. People who are happy, people who are content, aren't talking about it much. They're moving on. They got better things to do. And that's why I say that in our real life, the things that we do on a daily basis, going to work, coming home, going to the park, doing what we want, and shopping, when we actually get together and meet somebody in person, all that stuff doesn't matter. It's really how we individually connect with the other person, how we actually have those skill sets developed. When you say all that stuff doesn't matter, you mean all of the vitriol spewed elsewhere by other people. Exactly. Right. So 
Definitely, this is a cause of much confusion, weeping and gnashing of teeth by men and women both. Women are wondering where all the real men went. Men are starting to believe that all women are just gold diggers and they're out to ruin them in divorce court. And their masculinity is toxic, but they're given nothing to replace it with. And really, it just ends up being a cluster because a lot of people are approaching dating and relating as a process whereby we fend off people who are potentially going to hurt us instead of optimistically seeking to connect with people who could be very good for us in our lives. I mean, Emily, men and women aren't supposed to be adversaries. They're supposed to be on the same team. Someone was saying recently that dating and relating is a team sport, and I was quick to add to that conversation. Yeah, and we're supposed to be on the same team. Well, we definitely are. Imagine if we had that toxic attitude when we first met, we would have never ended up together. Oh, yeah. Men and women are supposed to be there in support of each other. We're supposed to complement each other. And we talk about masculinity and femininity a lot on both of our shows, X and Y on the Fly and The Mountaintop. And it just seems like very few people comprehend the fact, the simple fact, I might add. I mean, this is Occam's razor. It's the shortest distance between two points. It's what makes the most sense when you actually give thought to it. Masculinity and femininity as catalysts of sexual attraction. Sexual attraction is there to procreate, which of course is something that if it doesn't happen, the human race is extinct in 100 years. Well, speaking of procreating, we've done a pretty good job of that over the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's something that's definitely changed over the last 10 years as we welcomed another little boy and another little girl. Um, oh, almost 13, 12 years, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. Man, <laughs> boy's almost a teenager. That was last decade. Yes. Yeah, a little slow in the draw there. But yeah, I mean, if we're not procreating, we're not continuing the human race. So this is what I call God's dirty little trick, right? That men and women are attracted to each other and we end up having sex and we end up making babies who thank God they're cute or else we'd kill them. Right? <laughs> no kidding, right? Because they're a heck of a lot of trouble. <laughs> And sex is a lot of trouble, and sex is gross, but somehow, you know, we as men and women love it. You yeah, know? it's addictive, isn't it? Right, I know, exactly. But what happens is that masculinity and the femininity catalyze each other magnetically, like two opposite poles, and then people end up having sex. And if we're honest, men and women are both going to admit, you know, this is a heterocentrist thought again, okay? But men and women both have to admit that the more masculinity or femininity, respectively, the other gender exudes, the hornier we get for them. I mean, there's no denying it. That's what happens naturally, organically. Well, Hollywood has this figured out. You watch these movies that are romance movies, and the man is truly masculine. And the woman knows how to turn him on or drive him nuts. Well, you hit the nail on the head. All of the Twitter screeds, all of the Facebook rants are countered by how we spend our money at the movie theater and how the ratings go on TV. Hollywood still knows how men and women attract each other. Which is interesting because with all the changes that happened over the decade, or two decades for that matter, the one thing that hasn't changed is how we attract each other. And even in the movies, the way they work, that has not changed either. There's some consistency there. Yeah, absolutely. And all you have to do is watch the kind of movies you don't usually watch, if you're a man or a woman, to see what men and women are respectively attracted to. And Hollywood gets it right, usually. 
So if you watch a movie from the 50s or 40s, that it's a romance movie, and you watch one from this decade, basically the plot line is almost the same. Masculinity and femininity have not changed in all these decades, but in our world, things have changed. We've had the apps, we have the internet, we have different ways in which we socialize that we didn't do before, and it's become harder and harder. Navigating through all that confusion is more difficult nowadays. Well, yeah, people who are politically angry and want to move us away from that and redefine what masculinity and femininity actually are. Not only that, but you also have all these divorces happening and people growing up in these broken homes. They don't have any examples to know what a happy relationship, what a healthy relationship should look like. And what about the Me Too movement? How's that changed our dating life in this decade? Well, now that's another whole issue altogether. How do you think it's influenced things? Because we talk about it on the mountaintop all the time. I'd love to hear your view on that. Well, that's really interesting. I love to give you my input on that. I think the Me Too movement has done wonders for healing people and doing great things for us. And when we heal, we're able to be a better person and we're able to connect with our significant other in a healthy way that we can enjoy sex, we can enjoy life, we can connect. But the Me Too movement has also set things back as well because some guys are afraid to approach women because they're afraid that they might be accused of something that they haven't done. So whereas the Me Too movement has done wonders for helping us heal, it's also hurt us because it's pushed so hard and created other issues. Do you hear from your single friends that guys don't talk to them anymore or that something has tangibly changed out there? Or is this really a fairy tale? Is this really propaganda? I mean, everybody's saying, oh, the Me Too movement has really affected how men talk to women and they're all scared of women now. and Women are all wondering where the guys went. Is that really happening? Yes, it is. Because we hear this all the time. We get emails. We talk to our customers. We talk to our friends. We talk to everybody. And we keep hearing this over and over again. Well, I hear it from my guys also, no doubt. But, you know, we've already talked about how social media can kind of inflate the hysteria surrounding certain subjects such that people think it's going on everywhere when it's really rather rare. So that's why I was wondering if you had the impression that men really were more intimidated when it comes to talking to women, approaching them, even going out with them and dating them. Because I personally believe it's a thing. Well, I believe so, too. And not only that, I think in some ways I didn't mention the positive things that have come out of this Me Too movement is that there are agencies out there that help men and women, mostly women, to heal and become available to start dating again. And that's wonderful. And that's valid. I just think when people go overboard and turn it into something political and weaponize it against someone who they're mad at or an entire gender they're mad at. That's when it becomes problematic. And of course, we've talked a lot about consent. And there are people out there who think you need to be very intentional about asking for consent in very concrete language, like, can I kiss you? Then we watch the movies and get completely confused, and not necessarily old movies but new movies also, where we get completely confused because the couple turns, they tilt their head and they start kissing. And that seems perfectly natural and okay. But in the wake of the Me Too movement, it's like, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. You got to say, can I kiss you? Would it be okay if we move towards a sexual relationship? And I hear from women that they're just rolling their eyes going, oh my God, how non-romantic is that? I can't have that happen. And then the guys end up saying, well, see... 
rule number one is I have to already be attractive and women have to already be attracted to me before anything happens. And if I am tongue-tied when it comes to women or I'm not inherently some gorgeous buff dude, I'm screwed and not in the good way. Well, don't forget the contract. you got to sign the contract to make sure you have permission to kiss, let alone have sex. Right, because (laughs) there are people out there who say that women have the right to revoke consent after the fact. And I'll tell you something, that horrifies guys. There is so much fear out there that they're going to be accused of rape, and they're not going to have their day in court, and they'll be guilty until proven innocent. I mean, you got cancel culture going on out there, which I will say at the time of this podcast's air date, which is, of course, early January 2020, people are backing off a little bit from cancel culture. But remember, after the Me Too movement came out, everybody was being called out and careers were being ruined, and it was based on pure hearsay. And, of course, there are people who were using the hashtag Believe All Women, and that horrified guys because, yeah, I mean, you know, it is really, really difficult for a woman to report a rape. There's going to be a lot going on in court. There's going to be a lot of humiliation. The court of public opinion may get involved if the case is publicized. It's horrifying. Plus, these women lose their friends. People don't want to talk with them, don't want to have anything to do with them. They have a lot to lose. It's not an easy thing to come out and make the statement. And then the existence of victim shaming is very real. So in many ways, yes, we want to make it as easy as possible for women or men for that matter, because it's humiliating for men to come forward and say they were sexually assaulted, you know, because then your machismo is assaulted as well. Whoever you are, it needs to be easy for you to come out and make a credible outcry and be taken seriously. But there's got to be some balance because you got guys running scared that, hey, all a woman has to do if she doesn't like me is accuse me of being a rapist and then my life is ruined. And it just seems like that is far too available as a revenge mechanism. And something's got to be done about that and there's got to be some balance. But I don't think we've found that balance yet these days and it's leaving men and women at a loss on how to relate to each other and especially how to initiate sexual relationships. Meanwhile, in the media, we're celebrating sex more than ever. You have sex-positive culture. Different outlooks on sex are very clearly part of our culture nowadays. Yet, if you look at the actual statistics, millennials are having less sex with each other than ever before. Is this because we fear each other? We fear backlash? We fear retribution for the sex we're having? And or, to throw another plot complication in here, has the rise of ubiquitous HD pornography for free really obviated the need for us to even mess with pregnancy and STDs and any of that risk at all anymore. Or it could be that they just are not dating successfully. You know, they just can't connect with somebody to have sex with them. You know, they go in for a kiss and they say the wrong things and oops, the moment is gone. So there's fear, there's lack of connection, there's lack of role models. Everything is conspiring to keep men and women from successfully getting together. There's this fear that, oh, well, marriage is an institution, even long-term relationships, you're just being Pollyanna-ish if you think it's even going to work. Well, what do we do going forward? Where does this all go in the future? Well, that's a good question. It really depends on what everybody wants. Well, that's the ultimate question. Each person has a different desire. It's easy to think that everybody wants everything that they want. I'm the only one out there by myself who wants something different. And that's a lonely feeling. Do you really think that's the case? 
It can feel that way sometimes. You know, let's face it. If a woman's dating, she keeps dating the same guys over and over again, and these guys are wanting completely the opposite of what she wants, she's going to easily think all guys think that way. Yeah, I see where you're coming from now. Kind of like a man might think all women are gold diggers. They just want me for my money or to spit out a baby and then get rid of me because they don't need me anymore because, you know, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle kind of thing. Again, it's just the loud voices in the media influencing how we think about each other. Or that nobody wants to get married except for me. Or everybody wants to get married except for me. Whatever the case might be. And I mean, in terms of addressing this for the future, the first order of business is to invite both men and women to level set and realize nothing has changed. Men and women still adore each other. The vast majority of people don't have this bitter hatred for the opposite sex and don't see this adversarial relationship between the genders or lack thereof, right? And really, we should relax, take a deep breath and realize, hey, if I were a little more optimistic, I don't have to be naive. I mean, we should all guard ourselves against the rise of narcissistic culture. I mean, there's a word that's been used a lot more in the last 10 years than ever before. I mean, the term gaslighting, it's a household term nowadays, and it was unknown 10 years ago. Unfortunately, yes. Yes. So everybody's complaining that everybody's gaslighting each other. And one thing that I've always sort of noticed is that when people accuse others of gaslighting, they're usually gaslighting. Yeah, I've talked about that on the mountaintop. But if we as men and women can relax, take a deep breath, like I said, and suppose perhaps there are men or women out there who I can relate to, who are going to be good for me instead of toxic, or who are going to add to my life, contribute to having a good, happy life together rather than being detrimental and somehow being some sort of shill for the enemy who's going to come in and terrorize me and ruin my life, then chances are that would be a part of deserving what you want, which is being the best partner you can be so that the kind of person you want will in turn be attracted to you. And the next thing you know, optimistic, generous people will start meeting each other and having more positive relationships. But ultimately, it comes full circle, doesn't it, Emily? It all starts with ourselves and our mindset, blocking out the negative and adopting some degree of optimism to go out there and at least give it a try. And when we see those patterns of failure, when we start attracting the wrong person over and over again, you know what? That's not something new either. That's ages old. And it's all due to our expectations and sometimes who we are. And in this era where people want to blame others, want to criticize everyone else and pass the buck over, and, you know, we're learning a lot about that from the way people handle politics in recent years. And that's not new. That's not new either. Maybe the first step is for us to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves about who we believe we are and what we believe relationships should be and live our lives that way. One thing about that that we always say is, that's great news. You know why? Because that can be fixed. Absolutely. You know what? If you stop blaming others and you take personal responsibility – that's something you have full control over and it feels great, doesn't it? It's powerful and you can make changes. You can actually make your life change. You can create what you want for yourself and make it happen. And that's what we've been doing with folks for nearly 14 years now. That's right. Absolutely. So, you know, I hesitate to finish this discussion on such a basic, obvious note, but 
so many people are blaming so many other people, and they're listening to all the negative infiltration and forgetting that they have the option to work on themselves and take a more optimistic view. And I think if more people took leadership in that area, the world would be a better place, and men and women would more often than not retake their rightful position of being in alliance with each other instead of being in an adversarial position with each other. And getting what they want in a healthy way. You betcha. Guys and gals, listen. We're not some sort of fluke. We're a happy couple. We relate well to each other as men and women, and you can too. And we're here to help. If you're a man, go to www.mountaintoppodcast.com where you'll find all sorts of resources. And if you're a woman, you can go to www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And actually, guys can go there too. You know, X and Y on the Fly podcast is pretty much for both genders. Oh, yes. Great information on both sites. And you can talk to us, either Emily and or me, for 25 minutes for free, and we can talk about the future. We can talk about 2020 and beyond, getting you ready for the relationship of your life. The next decade is going to be great. Yeah, the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, right? That's right. Excellent. So hopefully you guys and gals have enjoyed this conversation. This is the first time we've ever produced a joint podcast for both X and Y on the Fly and The Mountaintop. And I think that's largely because the subject matter lent itself to that. And the subject matter matters. Yeah, absolutely. And so as always, it's our pleasure to get on the mic and talk to you all. And we, again, invite you to talk to us by either visiting www.mountaintoppodcast.com or www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And remember, there's one T in Scott. And until we talk to you again, this is Scott McKay. And this is Emily McKay. Be good. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisper, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.